Now I'm sitting here next to you, and if you're going back inside, I'm following you inside, and if you're going home, I'm following you there too. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. And if I've said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was, and I'll say sorry for that too, Colin. Uh, with all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. I just don't like you no more. Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Chapin Hemingway. Joined as always by Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk, baby. Now, gentlemen, you know that I'm currently infected with the COVID-19 virus. Yet I'm still here with energy. I like when you have COVID and you do a oh, fake too cough. Close. You're too close with the mic. Now you're too close. Okay, sorry. And you do a fake cough and then it turns into it a real turns one. turns into right? a real cough, yeah. Um, guys, this week we're going, to, we're going to review, we're not going to direct, we're going to review one of our, well, maybe not one of our favorite directors, but certainly a team of people that made one of our favorite movies of all time in Bruges in the film The Banshees of Inishirin, directed by, written and directed by... Playwright Martin McDonough, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Um, and I know we're really excited about that. Uh, and I, I'm particularly excited about it because I think there's going to be some division here because there was some division on the last Martin McDonough movie, The Three Billboards of Maliquis Estrada. <laughs> <laughs> um, gentlemen, okay, so I think I, I, I went into um, uh, Banshees. Let's just call it Banshees for now. Um, with a little bit of expectation of a return to form for our dear friend, Mar- Marty, Marty, as I like to call him. Um, then what do we call Scorsese? Uh, well, he doesn't get to be Marty. Martin McDonough obviously is, is Marty. Right. I'm sorry. No, Mar- you're right. Martin McDonough should be Martin. Martin. Um, yeah. and, uh, I- I'll say that it wasn't quite the return to form that I was hoping for. Um, and, and I'm wondering, um, and I'll just go, I'll just come right out and say that I just don't think it was quite as funny as I was expecting it to be, but I think that was intentional. I think this is a more serious film than McDonough has wanted, has, has made, at least in tone, um, b- between the last couple movies he's made. I mean, I think, you know, Jeremy, I know you're a big fan of, um, what is that? What's seven the psychopaths. seven psychopaths, which is, which is like a sort of a, almost a flat out comedy and in Bruges is quite funny. And, you know, we all had different, differing opinions about, um, three billboards, but ultimately I think there was supposed to be a lot of laughs, but I, I don't know that there was quite a lot of laughs in this film. There wasn't a lot of laughter in the movie theater that I saw this in that I infected everybody with COVID with in. Um, so, uh, I'm wondering guys, um, did you guys think it was funny? Yeah. I laughed. I, I cackled I multiple yeah. really? times. Really? I think and I was set. laughing so loud at times, I'm not sure if anybody else was laughing. The tone shifts in this movie, and the laughs subside to a certain extent as the movie goes on, and that's certainly intentional. And But I laughed at this the same way I laughed at In Bruges, suggesting to me, at least, uh, that it was quite a bit of return to form for McDonough. Well, uh, what did yeah, you yeah. find funny about it? It's well, It's the... 
it's not anything it's not like any particular line it's the the energy and the banter amongst these characters and the way that they talk to each other and the way and the comedic timing and the looks on Colin Farrell's face and just sort of these like very like comically realistic caricatures that exist on this little island of Inisharan. I thought some of it was just so funny and like right from the beginning when they're just repeating these lines over and over again in these just thick, thick Irish accents and you don't even really need to know what some of the words they're saying mean. It's it just has such a has such an energy to it that it, you can't help but laugh. And at, laugh at horribly inappropriate things sometimes too, which is just such a McDonough staple. Are you are you too feckin' done? Can I speak? Yeah, Go to fuck ahead. Answered his question. Uh, yeah, no, I also found it very funny, and I think part of the, the whole thing with McDonough and what is so funny about his dialogue. Did you guys it, see it together? Oh, for fucking sake! <laughs> Jesus Christ! I can't ever fucking answer anything. Oh, no, you didn't. Uh, uh, you know, we didn't see it together. I saw it with Sarah and I feel like right. we were, we were probably the only two really laughing in the audience, but it, it was, uh, we're going to talk uh, more about my feckin' audience later, but, um, well, I also had an older audience for the most part. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, with McDonough, part of the comedy is in the dialogue and in the cadence. And that's what I love about him. Like his writing is so distinct to him. Um, but also, there, I don't know any other uh, screenwriter that is so heavily dependent on his cast to pull off his dialogue in the tone and cadence that he needs it pulled off. And he found well, in Tarantino Colin Farrell. Is, I mean, I, this is even more specific, I think, than Tarantino. I feel like Tarantino can pull a lot of people um, to get his dialogue right because I, I feel like when you read tarantino it's kind of on the page with mcdonough i i think it's it's on the page but it's there's an extra layer that's brought to life with the right casting and of course he knows that colin farrell and brendan gleason can do it and colin farrell's just pitch perfect um in in this and any basic anything mcdonough does um but also barry keegan keogan oh my god how do you say it keon Really? Yeah. Yeah. Silent G H. Yeah, Barry Keown. All right. Well, he's so perfect in wow. this film. I mean, like nobody else, I think, could pull he, that did off. He quite just, this. Did he just win the best supporting actor, Fixie? I mean, he's got to be up there. I mean, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a combo of those things. In like, uh, I don't know. Like, I can see how this could be how how some people can just not get it like if you're sitting through this movie and you don't find it funny you're not gonna you're probably not gonna enjoy this film at all um but there is something about mcdonough in the in the way he uses language that is it's hilarious yeah so feckin' funny does that answer your question chapin I think so. I, I just, yeah, I didn't find it to be that funny, but I, I really liked it for a lot of other reasons. Um, well, let's, 
let's, I mean, I think part of the funny is for me and part of what works really well in Great McDonough. And when I'm talking about Great McDonough, I'm really in my reference, in my McDonough world, I'm talking about In Bruges and Pillow Man, the play. Um, what's, what's great about McDonough is, is that tone you referenced. Yeah. Why are you rolling your eyes? Well, I just saw gonna reference the theater. Well, yeah, I directed a, a McDonough play. Don't worry about it. Uh, award winner. No, I just made that up. But uh, nobody did would. Well. You could have just let nobody it go. Would nobody know. would know. The, yeah, it uh, won the Get Your Film Fix prize for best play. Best, the only one we saw this that year. <laughs> um, yeah, but what did? You, how did you? How do you guys think he st- struck the tone here? I I I thought it was great. I just don't think it's funny. Um, uh, but isn't that part of his? Tone? It's just like it's so it's so it's not it's not like fun. It's like irreverent, you know. It's it's and and, and irreverent's not even the right word. It's it's more like whimsical, you know. Like <clears throat> and and you know not not whimsical in like a positive way, but whimsical in a in a negative way. Like, you know, he's got this beautiful island that these things are, these odd things are happening on. There's these quirky people. And ultimately that island, I think at the end of the, becomes this kind of nightmare for everyone. Yeah. You know, it's a bit it's of a just, prison. Yeah. And, uh, but do you, you do you want to briefly describe the plot? Just sure. So, so, um, one day, uh, Colin Farrell goes to. Uh, meet up with his mate, Brendan Gleeson. Um, they all have Irish names that are difficult to pronounce. So let's just, Podrick let's just, and Colum. Podrick and Colum. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Colum's not there. And he meets, he goes to the pub and tries to meet, uh, Patrick tries to meet Colum. And it turns out he doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. And he says it flat out. I don't want to be friends with you. Um, and basically he just thinks he's dull and wants to invest his time in making things Instead of uh, going on about what's in his, <laughs> his donkey, uh, shite. donkey shit for the it was for my two pony hours. shite. Um, yeah, and so it's kind of a thin premise. I mean, there's there's a lot there, but but yeah, like it's it's a simple concept, and I think McDonough gets a lot out of it, and I'm glad he didn't make it any longer than he did. Um, it'll be the first under two hours movie we're going to review for the fixies this year, probably the only, um, which is fantastic. Uh, and yes. And I think, um, yeah, that's the plot. Um, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, thematics then in this film. Um, what is McDonough? I mean, it seems pretty, do you think it's too on the nose? I guess like McDonough's obviously, dealing with something with his own art and time and leaving a legacy and all that sort of stuff. Um, which is at war with the part of him that wants to just fuck off and go to the pub, which I think very relatable, especially to men. I think I always think of it. Like I was thinking about it. Like when we have to watch a movie for the podcast, yeah, like that's what we should be doing. And I just watch ambulance instead. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's your <laughs> that's your goal. Well, bleed. So every time you do that, you should cut off one of your fingers. I got to cut off a finger. Yeah, yeah, that would be appropriate. But um, there's a yeah. lot of there's also it's also this movie is also kind of playing with a you know allegory to the Civil War being fought in Ireland, which we kind of see off see and hear off in the distance 
um, throughout this movie on the mainland of Ireland and kind of very like casually pointing out the similarity in the not really sure why they're fighting <laughs> and exactly why we don't not really sure why Brendan Gleeson's column and Podrick are fighting like it's all kind of tying together I think the one of the many brilliances of this screenplay is all of the different layers and thematic elements that it has and you can take away one or more with each viewing and you know I do plan on watching this movie hundreds of times so it'll be really fun to do that and kind of see what I take away from it each time yeah, I mean, another thing I love about McDonough is when he gets it right, the structure of his... He is a very structure-based writer. Um, and he's trying... With everything he does, he's trying to say something else. And sometimes maybe that can be overbearing <laughs> or too on the nose. And I think it... Hey, COVID over there. Keep it down. Sorry. God. Um, Ruining the podcast. One of the, one of the most anticipated is, podcasts of the year honestly i think this is probably the worst things covid's done mm -hmm. in the um, world yeah in, that's what i'm talking interrupting about. the banshees this, podcast this this podcast uh what was i even saying oh yeah structurally um sometimes i did find some of it maybe a little bit too on the nose with this and like just the the ideas we sort of already talked about of like like it's a little bit it's a little bit wild to, I mean, clearly to, to, it almost seems surreal and dreamlike that he would literally cut off his fingers so that's to the, that's the prove one this point. And then also after he does it every time, he seems to be fine, fine. And like, like there was definitely a disconnect there that I had some trouble and that's McDonough writing to his structure and to his themes more than he's really writing to the characters, I think. that That's the piece that I got hung up on the most in this movie is just kind of the very dark turn that this movie takes in Brendan Gleeson threatening and then following through on his threat to cut off a finger every time Patrick talks to him. And I don't know, like it just, it felt like a little outside of the world that he had created. And mm. I imagine that was intentional and that we were supposed to probably get a little bit of something else out of that idea rather than just taking it literally. And it's um, not, but the, that was, uh, that was tough. It's not the, the first time in his writings he's talked about or, or dealt with cutting off, uh, body parts he does it in pillow man too and by body parts i mean fingers and toes well he has a play called the, a behanding in spokane <laughs> yeah so uh, it's obviously something <laughs> i don't know what he's i don't know what he's trying to say with it but it's clearly something that he's gone gone back to uh, over honestly, and over I, again I, I think that speaks to like the different experiences you and i had on this podcast because or on the with banshees is that I mean, I, I, I don't know that I liked that part necessarily, but like it, it seemed like, I mean, I think that that's where this movie was always going. And I think, you know, the, and, and, and to the eventual burning of the house down, 
uh, burning of Brendan Gleeson's house down. Like, like this, this movie is darker than, I mean, I guess this sort of the same thing happens in in Bruges in a way, but, but like the sort of conclusion of this movie is, or the, the, the last act of it is quite dark and not funny. And I have, no issues with this movie getting darker and the direction that it goes. I think my issue is more with the literal cutting off of his fingers, which I think has got to be analogous for something else that I wasn't grasping as as clearly as I was grasping everything else in this movie. So that was the issue. It was not that this took a dark turn and that these two characters changed dramatically from beginning to end. Okay, well, then what was it? It just I, told you. I, it's just the, think, the literal cutting off of the fingers didn't seem to well, be. Well, I, I think like if you compare it to if you compare it to In Bruges, I feel like In Bruges earned the moments, those moments more than this film did. Like the setup for, and and the, again the same thing with this. This is a very McDonough-y, uh concept where these guys have these like unspoken rules that they just kind of follow by. Like in, in Bruges, like you, if you accidentally or on purpose or whatever kill a kid, you have to kill yourself. Like that's just part of the world that is in in Bruges. Whereas this one, it's like you you'd have to t- you have to tell the person when you're about to do a terrible thing, whether it's to yourself or uh, or to them. You have to give them a heads up. There's that's the world that they're living in. Well, uh, in Bruges, I felt like in that world of hitmen, it made more sense. Whereas this, in a world where there's like 10 people on an island and they go to the pub and they're buddies, maybe not so much. And I think the earning it is the part that may have thrown and I, you I think, and me, Lee. I think the first finger, and I love how we're talking about this, the first finger I feel like is earned because you have that great great line from Dominic, Barry Keon's character, where he's just like, should you just talk to him and see if he's bluffing? And even with one one finger, you can still play the fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> but so, and then he like cuts off that one and you're like, holy shit, he's serious. Colin Farrell has that same reaction. Holy shit, he's serious. Then when he like cuts off all his fingers and he's just got a stub right. of a hand. It it's should like, have been a one at a time here? situation, like, right? And that that's bothered where me. It lost me a little bit. Um, but look, like, the structure of this story, the the tonal shifts, the character developments, the characters changing, A pluses across the board. What did you think? Uh, um, if we're just gonna keep talking about structure, the ending, like that, I also felt a little bit disappointed by the ending. I, I wanted like to see it. where I wanted to see where it was gonna go. I felt you like just it keep just watching. Yeah, I wanted to see where it was gonna go. I wanted to see how that was gonna end. I don't, but I don't think it is ever going to end. They become hitmen. Yeah, they become hitmen. Yeah, in Bruges. Yeah. Uh, it's going to end with, with Brendan Gleeson just being like a, a, a full out amputee, like a nub yeah. of a person just <laughs> left. No, because I think by the end, the they've they've changed. I think. Have they? No. Yeah. I, I think that you're supposed to leave, but they're going to continue doing this. Yeah. I, I feel like if if. Brendan Gleeson, like, that's also part of it is, is if he's like, oh, yeah, I f- you know, my bad, I fucked up. But, like, he's he's all in. Like, that's the thing is, once you cut off your fingers uh, and you have a nub for a hand, you're all in. You're not, you're going to be like, ah, oh, yeah, you're right. You were, you know what? You were right. I, I also was think, wrong. 
and I don't I don't know for sure that this is what w- they were going for, but I like to think it was because I think it works better that you know Colum you know he's he's insistent that he wants a legacy right he like people remember music people remember art and so he wants to spend the rest of his days creating that yeah and he's like writing that. this song i like, I like that right. and that, but why did but he then he's writing this song like that. that's not that good right and he's <laughs> and not the even the song's not that good and he doesn't even know that much about what he's talking about didn't he, right. he was like the century wrong that beethoven or mozart or whatever mozart, he was yeah. ta- talking about was in like i i like you don't that know who little. mozart is so go, there goes that theory um I like that little detail that Brendan Gleeson is all about this, movie. all about this legacy. Yeah, and and he's not really even that good. Yeah. So okay. So you guys agree there? Like, I like that 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 song at the end. I mean, Podrick kind of, you know, says like, "Oh, it's, it's a nice song. There's not actually there's not any banshees in Ireland, but <laughs> there's not any banshees on Inisherin. But okay, oh well." But he kind of says it's a nice song, but it's just not like he's not even that good of a fiddle player. And like when he's teaching the other students and stuff, they're not even that good in the pub either. It's all sort of kind of noisy high school band sounding. Right, right. And he's teeth. <laughs> yeah. But OK, I'm sorry. Can we go back to that fingers for just a second? Um, like what? Is, but he he's sort of ruining everything he's talking about by I mean, is that the is that, I guess that's the point, but. Or that's sort of the significance of his amputations, but like he's not able to play the fiddle anymore by the end of it. He's just sitting there covered in blood. And well, I also think that you have another another tie into the civil war going on there too. That like these people are, you know, destroying themselves for something that they're not even really sure they believe in. And yeah, that's that's fine. But I mean, this, I mean, that's a nice parallel. I. I I guess, but it's not. But, but what works about this movie is that that's not the only one. It's it, like this would be a simple movie that we would, you know, pat on the back if it was just simply trying to compare their friendship, their their fight, their breakup, whatever you want to call it, with a civil war being fought in nineteen twenties Ireland. But like that's just one piece. You also have the artistic piece and wrestling with, you know, how you want to be, how, what your legacy is going to be. You have this whole conversation, like the basic hum, human, like the basic humanity of like, is it more important to be nice or remembered? Like, I think all of these pieces work together nicely and you have a really, really layered movie and you can take a bunch of different things out of it and everybody will probably take something different, different out of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's just like a nutcase, right? Brendan Gleeson. He could be. Yeah, but he the weird thing is he doesn't come across as one other he doesn't, than his but actions. But, but he but he yeah, his actions are crazy. And and the priest is always, How's the despair? You know, like it's well like like that's I mean, this guy's like wrestling with depression, right? Or or like his own mortality, and that's that this is his outlet, is to like violently chop his fingers off. Well, so that's a question then that we can ask is like, do we get enough about Colum? For, I, for his character to so. work because we get a lot from Podrick and his sister and even just like your small characters like Dominic you know you get enough exposition or you know you spend enough time with them to really understand where they're coming from is Column too much of a mystery I, I would say yes I think that's the, the one thing about this that um like tonally 
feels off. He's, his, he's a little underdeveloped. His decision-making, and it's only other characters, like Chapin says, referencing that maybe he's depressed or something here right. or there, that we we get enough of backstory. But I feel just from our interactions, and it's not his story either, so, you know. Well, and, but I, and I think that's, I think you're right. I think, and I think this is a little bit of, like, collateral damage of it not being his story is that anytime we're with him we're seeing it from somebody else's perspective we're not ever really getting what he's feeling even his confessions are sort of like from the priest's perspective like he's kind of guiding those conversations asking why he stopped talking to Podrick why he's you know is he (laughs) you know self-mutilation is a sin also and like all these things are being the, the conversation is being driven by the priest during his confessions. We don't get that moment or any moments with Colm just finding out what's really bothering him. Yeah. What is this what is this film trying to say about friendships, especially male friendships here? I don't know. I mean, this is where I'm a little I'm I'm trying to sort of wrestle with how I feel about the movie. Um, because, sorry, <laughs> I don't know that it's as much about, oddly, I don't know that this movie is as much about friendships as it's kind of being made out to be. I think obviously it's there and we can talk about this, but I don't think that's is it like more the about primary loss? thing. Is it more about loss? I it think could it's about... be anything, platonic relationship loss, like, I mean, the movie starts th- out with yes, a giant think, loss. Yes, I think that's correct. And and then he loses his sister, and he loses his donkey. Um, is it a donkey or is it a is it a, it's pony? a pony? Yeah, uh, that was a donkey. Well, no, because um, he corrects him because he yeah. says oh, you were talking for two hours about what was in your donkey shite, and he says, yeah, "Well, it was before, my pony shite." So it shows you that you weren't really listening. I want to go back. I want to let's well, let's talk more about what the movie means. But I have a question for Jeremy after this, but. Um, yeah, I, I do think it is about loss and, and grief a little bit more. I mean, they're both grieving in a weird way. Like he's grieving the loss of the friendship and Brendan Gleeson is, you know, grieving his own life. His own is like his, like this, his life is slipping away from him and he hasn't left an impact on it. And, you know, what's interesting is neither of these guys have any female companionship, which is, I wonder something we should talk about because that's sort of significant. I also think it's well, about small town life, and it's a much better representation of small town life than three bur- billboards outside Malikulis Estrada or whatever. But, um, like, it's and how fast gossip, you know, goes around the town, and then you know how people begging for gossip. You just you just Ms. like can't Ms. O'Raridan, see- which is his brilliant run in the shop, being like, "You're not bringing me any news." You just can't escape it, and you can't escape other people. You know, it's. It's it's just impossible, and so like a loss of a friendship in a town like this, or on an island like that, is a huge is a huge loss because the only other person you can be friends with is the Barry Keonan, you know, kind of half off his rocker. It's a bit. He's a bit dim. He's a bit dim. But and the thing is, he's. He, it's kind of funny. He he actually probably has the most like sage advice and and yeah. Um understanding of the situations <laughs> well because he's just like unaware of how what what or what you say or what you do will impact other people he's sort of oblivious to that 
And look, you guys know how much I love Barry Keown. I thought he was very good in this. He turn he dials it up quite I a bit. I think he has to though. I, I do think too. That's the only way this, I, that works. I do too. And I and I love every time he was in. Anytime he was on screen, I love the scenes he was in. I that was the only little issue I had with the performances. I was just like, is he? Is he is he going a little too far here? Oh, I didn't think so. Um, Barry Keonan? Yeah. Oh, and no. I I love yeah. him. I think no. he's great. But um, the performance we haven't talked about, which I thought was the the standout for me, the amazing yeah. surprise was Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon for sure. She was so uh, she was so, so good. good. And I like, mean, she, she was needed. Movie in a weird yeah, way. she was needed to be like the anchor, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if it was the best performance, but it was the most grounded performance. It was the performance you could go to. I think I might agree with you, Lee. It might have been the best performance. uh, It's hard with the... She plays Siobhan, who is Colin Farrell's sister, who he lives with. And, you know, she's... What's so great about the way that that character is written, too, is, like, in so many movies, that is a thin, really annoying character that's there for a purpose and doesn't do anything beyond that purpose but she's developed you know we learn a lot about her what she wants why is she lonely you know and you know her her place in this movie is so so important and her her place in in her brother's life is so important and when she ultimately leaves like it's that's as heart that's more heartbreaking than when Colm says he doesn't want to be friends because when that happens at the beginning it's kind of funny but as we learn more about these characters and like how little Podrick has in his life, and then she leaves, it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really sad. And then you feel for. I mean, the, Jeremy, I wanted to go back to this because in the in the um, Lieutenant of Inishmore, uh, the a big plot point revolves around the, the the killing of a cat, and we go back to the you know the this this pony dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, that's a moment that you would think was funny, but is just heartbreaking and so sad and is not, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, um, remember it, it when they, doesn't, doesn't the little midget fella get shot in, in Bruges? Oh, in and, Bruges? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, why, that's why, um, yeah, that's why Ray he kills himself. kills himself because he thinks right. he killed a kid. Right. So it, it's like that moment is played for last, I think, but this moment is, is, is very serious and emotional and it, I'm just wondering what the how McDonough uses animals is, is interesting to me I mean maybe it's just because he Call likes midgets these. animals no 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 the, the cat remember is, these things gossip we can't have them saying oh they were talking about us on the get your film fix podcast they called us animals <laughs> the 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 cat in the lieutenant of Inishmore the, the I mean I don't know if there was any I can't remember if there's any I'm sure there were some animals in um Three billboards, and maybe this is just small town people and their relationship and farming people's relationship to their animals. But he does use them in a in a in a unique way. I think that that you know people, at least in in that particular example, those two examples of this and the uh, Lieutenant of Inishmore, the the these characters are very attached to their to their animals, and I'm wondering if there is something there for us to discuss, like. To me, I mean, that those th- people seem like they, the animals were real, true friends, 
like they would check on him and they would make they, they, you know he had a connection to them and and they were always there they were the only things left for him at the end of the day and he wants him in the house yeah. he wants them in the house all the time and oh he could, I couldn't cover it because me pony died or whatever and he's like and I don't know I I, I mean, wonder, if you want to say, like I said, maybe this movie's not as much about friendship as as it's made out to be. Maybe that's not true, but maybe it's actually more about like what a friend is. Like, clearly, Colum is not Podrick's friend, you know. And you know, I think we see all these other people in this town, and then as it turns out, animals in this town that Podrick considers friends and are the most important to him, and. I don't know what that's saying like about life in general. That could just be like in the confines of this movie and to kind of establish Podrick's character could just be that he's, you know, he needs these people and these animals because it's all got, he has. But you've also got the, you've also got Colm's dog, which is a significant piece. Yeah. You know, he saves the dog, takes care of him. And then, you know, one of the last lines is thanks for taking care of me, dog. I don't know. I mean, the, the, I think the animals play an important role in this movie. I can't really figure out exactly what it is. It's almost as if they they can't quite connect with each other, so they're connecting with these animals, or maybe the animal to, to Brendan Gleeson's character, the animals not are not talking bollocks all the time. So, you know, hmm. yeah. He I, says the best thing about me, the best thing about him is his dog. And why would I let? Why would I burn the dog? Um. Yeah. I mean, it brings up the point of so like we're talking about all these thematic things that we don't really know what they mean and it goes throughout mcdonough's work between like chopped off fingers and toes animals dullards that's a big part of a lot of his stuff um the unspoken rules between men the friendships between men um it almost brings me to the question. I don't know if McDonough has the, uh, filmatically the repertoire to even say this at this point, but you know how sometimes we can watch like a Tarantino movie and be like Tarantino Tarantined all over himself in this one. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if McDonough McDunned all over himself in this one. Cause this is just, that sounds like he took a shit on himself. Yeah. Oh, that's I kind of something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, either one, but it is like, so took a big, big McDung all over. <laughs> yeah. The McDung right in the middle of his McChest. Um, <laughs> it is so McDonough that it almost is too much McDonough, like uh, to, to a point because at a certain, no, just all the, like the whole thing, the whole, the repeating of words. That's just like the whole in general, like I'm not, I'm not criticizing it as that, but I wonder at a certain point, does that almost become a distraction? Only when it doesn't work. I totally agree. There are moments when he does the repeating word stuff where I'm not just talking about just the repeating words. I'm talking about the totality. In some moments it does feel, it doesn't work and it feels trite and cute. Like he's trying to be cute. And I think Tarantino has moments like that too. Um, especially in his more recent stuff where he's like self-referential and mm-hmm. yeah. it becomes quite, it becomes very um, sort of icky to me. Like it's not, it's so sort of at a certain point, you're I so mean, aware of it that it becomes a distraction to the actual story you're telling. Well, it's almost a victim of its own success in that he has 
Brennan Gleeson and Colin Farrell in this movie together again, striking a similar tone to in Bruges, dealing with the same type of comedy. And as a result, you're looking at it and you're saying like, okay, we know that these characters can do this. Like it becomes almost self-referential in that way. Now, just like with Tarantino, when it's working, it doesn't matter. Like you love that stuff. And that's how I felt here. But you know, the minute it doesn't work or the minute you're feeling like you feel like it's being ham fisted into the movie, that's when you start to say like, okay, this is McDonough McDunging all over himself. Yeah. And, and I think there's a little bit here, but I think in general, it, it McDonough it doesn't strike me as quite as high on himself as Tarantino does though. So no, it's hard, I don't it's think hard so. to, I, it doesn't, it's feel so much like... easier to do that with Tarantino because he's so <laughs> obnoxious. Right, but it's it's okay, but then chalk it up to style. Then it's just his style and there's it, it becomes redundant. So well, this that's... is a like wholly hypothetical question that I don't even know if it's possible to answer, but let's imagine that the two movies in between in Bruges and this followed the same stylistic pattern and formula. Are we now are we now tired of that or is or is the break from it with psychopaths and and psychopaths has some elements of it but psychopaths and um billboards we got a break from the imbruge tone and style only to come back to it here it felt like it felt like such a triumphant like return to form for me but i'm wondering if like we had basically like a david or russell run where it's like four movies all the same in the row you don't even remember the plots because the style is exactly the same now they're all forgettable yeah, it's it's a like he's a lesser writer, but or whatever. But like Guy Ritchie, I feel like could yeah, that's a good example. You know, be in that. Um, yeah, but I hated Three Billboards, so I I, I mean I would have much but rather I'm not, had this. I'm not talk, but I'm not even talking about those I, movies in particular. I'm just saying if I see whatever what was in between was just fu- like if we just basically now realize McDonough has got one speed. But it's the, it's this speed which we love, right? But, but nothing it's else. This, but, yeah, but, but this it's is this a speed. lot different. I think this is a lot different speed than than in Bruges. I mean, I in Bruges I, moves very fast. In it's, fucking Bruges. It's it's. I mean, I think, pacing, I think it's much. It's when much I say more speed, deliberately I funny. It's much more. I think there. I think it's a. I think it's a different style. I mean, it's hard to separate the two movies because it's the same writer, same director, and the same two stars. Like you said, kind of occupying similar hierarchy, right? But. I think the movies are a lot different. I mean, they're they're they are, but I think they strike a similar tone. And, and I think, I think the they're char- just both the, good. The other two movies aren't. Quite I think as the good. characters, the relationship between the characters is similar. Like they like yes. each other, they don't like each other. Like it's it's. I think there's a lot of similarities. And when I say speed, I don't. I'm not talking about the pacing of the movies. This movie is much much slower in pace than in Bruges. I'm talking about just kind of the the. I, I think the word Jeremy used is really appropriate. The cadence of the dialogue yeah. and, you know, the escalation of the consequences, I think, is similar. Um, yeah. And I and I again, it is just that these both of these movies are great. And to, to add to that uh, with these actors, and I think I'm hoping that Colin Farrell has a big fixie year what a a year so far he's got another movie too called after yang that's supposed to be really good but um Um, that's on demand is there any is there any actor who's better at making you feel like this uh, sort of sneaky empathy 
than Colin Farrell. Like a, a man-child empathy than Colin Farrell. Uh, I have an b- even bigger question regarding Colin Farrell. Is there a more underrated actor ever in the world than Colin Farrell? I think he's starting to get is he higher rated. Yeah, he's never find, been nominated. F- find me a list of top ten actors. I guarantee you, Colin Farrell's not on it. No, I didn't say he would, but I. I I'd be surprised I if he'd be on a top twenty list. I think now, maybe. I just think he's always, since the well, very beginning, since yeah, Tigerland, we've he's loved been him since so Tigerland. underrated. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope this is the year he gets his due, at least gets some nomination. I mean, he's going to get Fixie nomination, which Fixie is the nomination. most important thing, yep. really, a, as an actor. Um, he's never won a Fixie either. Has he ever been nominated? I don't think so. Uh, that's a good question, but I, I don't think uh, he, has. he has. actually. He has for a role that you wouldn't think he'd be nominated for. It was um, Daredevil. The no, it was the the uh, Peter Weir movie. Um, oh right, that, was that my nomination? The way back, no, it was mine. Um, what year was that? Two thousand eleven. I, I also maybe. nominated him, but maybe I wasn't on that year. Let's see. You guys go ahead. I'll find the exact details on his nominations. Um, one thing we haven't talked about is <laughs> McDonough as a filmmaker. How, where, where do you think he is now in this movie? How has he improved? How has he changed? I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, there's not a lot. He didn't, there's not a lot of tough filmmaking in this movie, I guess is the simplest way to say it. Is this one of those, like, it's a good cinematography because it's good landscaping? Yes. Yes. 100%. Broke back mountains. Yeah. 100%. I, I really like the score, um, which I know he didn't write, but you know, it's, it's, inserted into the movie really nicely um you know his his strength in directing is is making the dialogue work on on the day and and, but he's not like maybe his these two actors make it easy for him but the way those scenes play out and like knowing when to stop and knowing when to keep going for the sake of comedy or for the sake of drama he does that really well He's also not trying to, sh- sh- like, he's not trying to show off. He's never trying to, like, mm. throw a tracking mm. shot in the middle of it. Uh, like, he's he is letting the dialogue and the actors do most of the work, I think. Okay. Can I, can I, can I start talking about what I didn't like about this movie? Yeah. Okay. I think the, I think the landscape is distracting. I think, I think Ireland probably looks like that for about 90 minutes every year. Um, and it's this it took is a twenty five years to make this, this is a film. sad story. And think about how think about how like if it were rainy and stormy the whole time, like how much more uh, like m- in, t- worked, in line yeah. with the the tone of the movie and and made Inishirin feel like a place you wouldn't want to be all the time. But like he's got these. I, I found the helicopter shots extremely distracting and out hmm. and took me out of it. Um, the, 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 it's a beautiful landscape. So, it's, so it's hard to say like, gosh, I'm like, I don't know why you filmed that, but I, but do you I think that's part of the, the story, Chapin? I, d- I didn't, I don't think it's, do you think, I think like it's the, distracting the, to the story. The irony of the beautiful landscape and it being sort of a prison that that, that wasn't done on a, purpose. I think that's an, a reach. I don't think so. I think, I think, I don't think that's a reach, but I, I'm with you, Chapin. I think not, not that I was distracted by it at all to be honest but i like your idea of it being less beautiful to kind of relate to everything else that's happening well, here now maybe that's too obvious yeah no, you know, I, like, I, isn't I, that I, on the I, nose i agree with that but i'll just say like 
the the last couple of weeks in or we had a really we had a really um late summer here in Oregon and we were greeted by when the rain came you know and we have similar weather to Ireland here and it's it was just like gray and dull and rainy for like two weeks straight and it's like it's that kind of weather where you can't tell what time it is outside like it it could be eight in the morning or 4 p.m you know and there's beauty in that it's not like you can't capture beauty or meaning or emotion in that kind of setting um you know a beauty a beautiful rainy uh English I mean, is, countryside or it is or, or, like foggy and misty at, and stuff. At, like. at some points it is, but a lot of the, a, a lot of this movie is just like this, you know, he's making love to the, to the, to the, you know, I mean, to the, 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 the scenery and, and look like I, th- where I will disagree I, I think is that I think that, I, that Island probably does look like that most of oh. the time. Like <laughs> those Maybe. fucking islands are, are beautiful. They are, but they, they're, they're, I guarantee you that's not the weather they have most of the time. Yeah, but how is that, like, because you're imagine, pointing out that it's going to be beautiful no matter what the weather is, so how is no, that? No, because they can, because it doesn't, like, a, a bright, sunny day is, a, a, has a different effect on mood and, and, and capturing the sort of ennui and melancholy of, of, a, of a sort of slow, sometimes depressing Irish island life. Um, yeah, look, I like the I like the idea. I think you could go either way on this. You know, like the the helicopter shots also kind of uh, portray this vastness, this where like you're so small and lonely, and you know, lonesomeness is a a big theme here. So I think that's effective when you kind of see. Colin Farrell in this big wide shot, just like walking up the street, kind of with that sad look on his face with his pony. Like it's kind of sad. And if it's raining, that's cliche, you know? Uh, I, I guess speaking a, a bit cliche, what, what did you guys think of the witch slash soothsayer character in this? that didn't totally work for me but it also wasn't too distracting just like to me it was more just like the crazy old lady on the island so i forgave it but i mean talk about good casting (laughs) yeah if that's what you're looking for but yeah it was a bit off i think to me um that whole thing like it started out as like a joke which a bit underdeveloped piece of the story yeah but then it became like a real sort of Thing, yeah, she's real, supposed to be predicting. Yeah, and I was like, I don't need that. I, I didn't really understand where that came into the story or what he was trying to say with that. All right, you guys want to run through some uh, some categories here? But I, I, I want. I, I mean, I know we're in that st- fixy stage where we're not like exactly telling it. But did you guys really fecking, like this movie? I fucking loved it. Really? Yeah, it had a couple issues here and there, but like, I, I loved it. Yeah, I mean, I think I can't. I Lee, cannot wait to watch it again. I think Lee liked it slightly more than I did, um, but I did really like it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, we. Uh, I don't think we're hiding our hiding anything, Chapin. Yeah. It is fixie season, but this podcast should be telling the truth. I mean, I I could see easily three nominations between uh, uh, Barry Keegan. Was that how you say it? Keon. Keon. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's not how it's written. It's not how it's written at all. It's Irish. Okay, let's let's all let's pronounce all these names how they're written. That's okay. That's okay. Let's go and move on to the categories. 
All right, so this is a fun one for this one. Character you'd most like to have a drink with? Definitely not Colm. Yeah, so is it, but I mean, do we want to sit with Podrick and listen to him talk about yes. all this stuff yes, he found in his I would pony love... shite? No, not Podrick. Uh, or Dominic. Dominic. I would love to have a drink Hang with, Dominic, with Dominic, and Dominic and drink that listen, vodka. Yeah, just li- whatever that was. I think that was like grain alcohol or something. Yeah. Uh, and just listen to him talk. I mean, we again we we talked about his performance, but like what a what a like sad story his character is too. Oh like yeah, his, his his father's a police officer who <laughs> beats him, and you know and he's mo- and and molests him, or what does he say? He's like, I didn't tell him about that part. He just said it. <laughs> Love when they, how, <laughs> Chapin, how you didn't think this movie was funny, and like when yeah. when Dominic and Podrick walk in on on the guy's dad, on Dominic's naked. dad, naked, and they just start talking about his small penis, <laughs> little brown penis. <laughs> I thought that was a huge penis. Was it not? <laughs> yeah, Chapin no, um, just didn't get it. Uh, yeah, no, I think it, I think it must have had a lot to do with like the crowd I saw it with because it just you know I mean in the same way that a, a nice communal uh, laughing experience can be. Let's you know, do this now. Addictive. I had probably a dozen people in the theater with me, a couple chuckles here and there, but I was by far the only one like really laughing. And then I've got this you know older guy sitting about two rows to my ahead of me to my right, and. I feel like while I didn't quite notice it in in hindsight, I feel like he was kind of grumbling through a bunch of the movie. And then at one point, whoever he was with, whether it was his wife or whatever, leaves, I'm assuming to go to the bathroom, comes back, and I don't hear her say this because she's being polite in the movie theater and whispers, what must have been, what did I miss? And this guy, for the whole theater to hear, says nothing, absolutely nothing. As if we all want to yeah. hear his opinion on the movie halfway through. Then, of course, at the end, we also have to hear him announce that he'll never get those two hours back. And, well, he's never getting the rest of his fucking life back because I cut his throat. Okay? <laughs> and I was thinking about this because if people irritate me in the movie, I always kill them. But there's sometimes where I find it more understandable, like, if you didn't like it. But what the fuck did this guy think he was going to see? Like... I had pe- I remember when I went to see that Nicolas Cage movie last year, Pig, there were people complaining. But I, I was one of them. But there was like this odd like expectation with that movie that you were gonna have this kind of like Nicolas Cage comes back to, you know, face his haunted past maybe sort of action movie, and it was just nothing like that. So it didn't meet anybody's expectations. But here, like, what did this person think they were gonna see? And it just, uh, oh, I think some people just like go to the movies, you know, they, they just like normies. They just like civilians. Black they just, Panther was playing. Go see that. You well, he's fucking probably racist. racist. Well, maybe, uh, he probably he thought, is. that's a good point. He probably thought he was going to like the last movie he saw was like my left foot. And he's like, <laughs> Oh, this is Irish. It's probably going to be like that. Or he thought, or he saw three billboards and he's just like middle America. Yeah. And then he, uh, so this is the next, uh, but anyway, the moral, the moral of the story anymore. is keep Sorry. your mouth and keep your mouth shut in movies unless you want to laugh, which I would have yeah. appreciated my audience would laugh a little bit. So that's that's the um that's my little gripe on my my experience. Uh best acting moment. So not necessarily performance, but do we have a best acting moment? And a worst acting moment if we have one, but I don't know that I have one off the top of my head. I mean, I thought 
when Farrell goes into the pub and he's drunk and he starts yelling. Oh yeah, yeah, that's was, a great one. Was pretty, that, that's pretty a goddamn great impressive. And very, very well written too. Yeah. Or yeah, or I, Carrie Condon telling him she's got to leave. I thought was a nice one. Oh yeah, that was tough. Yeah, that was good. Um, Jeremy's location corner. I mean, we talked about the island, Chapin's issues with it, but. Uh, well, Jeremy. I would be curious. I mean, we talked about a big not, open field last not week. Not a real, I'm how, sure he hasn't done the research. Not a not a real island. And Sharon is not real yet, but. No, I knew it wasn't real, all right? But the, the what are those called? The Annan Islands? Those are those are real. Right. So I, I just wonder what was behind them. Like, clearly they built, like, Brennan Gleason's house. They built the pub. They kind of made their, they made their little they, town. Do you think they built his, do you think they built his house? Because they they CGI'd the, uh, yes. the fire on his the roof. Yeah, which looks yeah. so bad. Yeah, right. But they did build this house. Um, probably local laws nowadays. You can't get it too that close to the uh, water. Um, but no, I know they built the the house well, and the pub. Law. That what if that house was real? That that was not built adhering to local laws. <laughs> it was um, built like four hundred years ago. Yeah, I'd be curious, like wh- what how big that island that they shot on was like was there a hotel was there airbnbs like how did everyone everyone had to stay there obviously so every day (laughs) like yeah i wonder what that i that would be such an interesting filming experience to be stuck on a small island and well uh, it was actually filmed partially on inishmore yeah so it's filmed on the yeah the aaron islands so inishmore so i mean essentially what and Sharon is is where they filmed. Yeah, I mean, I think the only the thing that would be was, the pub was not built. The pub that was filmed at JJ Divine Pub. Wow, I heard really? it was. That's I heard pub? it was. I listened to an interview with McDonough. He said he built it. Uh, maybe there's some interior. Maybe they built it. the yeah exterior. I don't know, but um, yeah, it would be interesting. Um, as far as locations go, I think it's just the the building of those would be a bit, uh, probably a bit difficult nowadays with. Just like I said, keeping away, keeping far enough away from the water and not all that stuff. Jeremy, have you filmed in a small town like that before? Maybe not that small, but a small town. I mean, just small towns in Massachusetts, but not like that rural. I guess, I guess the best example of that was when we were in Shelburne Falls for Dexter, which is a very, very small town in far (laughs) western Massachusetts that I lived in for six weeks, and you were either on one side of the bridge or the other. Um, it is a bit like you had some run-ins with the locals there. Yeah. It it is a, it is a bit crazy. Like it does feel a bit prisony. Like you just want, you want more, you want something else to exist around there. And it was in the middle of COVID. So the pubs weren't even open. So, uh, I, I understand where they're coming from for sure. It was, it was a bit like that. Like I, if the pubs was open, I'd be there every day at two o'clock. And it'd be much better. Um, all right. So I don't know. Is it fair to ask Chapin what he's grumpy about today? I mean, he's poor guy's got COVID. COVID, COVID probably. Um, you know, that's a boring answer, but I don't want to. I don't want to hold it against him for being grumpy. No, I got. I got I'm a little. I'm a little grumpy. Okay. Um, I'm. I'm sort of grumpy about how expensive things are. Oh, that's true. with inflation. You know, I. I ordered some groceries because, of course, I'm not allowed to go out and expose people to COVID. But um, and and you know, I I. I you put it together virtually on the app and you know, you can't tell if it's like really that much. I'm like, Oh, it was like, you know, nearly a hundred dollars of the groceries. And then I tipped at the the delivery person. And it was just like, it was only two bags, two yeah, bags of groceries for 90 bucks. No, I didn't buy any alcohol. 
caveat. So it's probably not really, I mean, I, being in the business that I'm in, I have some insider information on just like, you know, what is. It was Biden the whole time, wasn't it? It was I mean, Biden know, the whole time. It definitely was Joe Biden. Um, no, it's not, not just what's like, like broadly is causing it, but just like the things that are going up in price that you just don't immediately think of. And like why some of those things are going up in price. I mean, the big, the the um, most interesting, or I don't know if it's interesting, or but the most of like of, of fucking of course story about all of this is while all these things are going up, sort of the um, you know as a result of the you know back backups from COVID and everything like that. The the two biggest glass factories in the world which obviously produce glass for, you know, homes and bottles and everything like that are in Ukraine. So they are not operating. And that's just on top of all the other stuff that's happening that's forcing prices to go up on, like, dry goods and everything. It's insane that it's just this perfect storm of everything coming together, driving prices up. And it's first time in my life that I've, like, definitely noticed the like my grocery bills bigger and like you know you always see the gas prices on the sign but like when i go grocery shopping i don't notice the increase on each individual item it's when i'm checking out and all of a sudden it's two hundred dollars yeah i i notice like even like picking stuff out and i'm like does this really cost this much does it always cost this much like you get ketchup and it's like seven dollars and you're like i don't think that was seven dollars last time i had ketchup yeah, yeah, that's because the last time you bought ketchup was probably 2011, <laughs> and you bought like Heinz, and now you want the stuff that doesn't have sugar in it, and yeah. you bought it better. And you know, I mean, how often do you buy fucking ketchup? Yeah, well, his Heinz bottle just probably ran out. Yeah, yeah. my 2011 uh, Heinz bottle just ran out. Well, yeah, and you, stop you buying probably, vintage ketchup. You probably bought. You probably bought. Brought the Heinz bottle from fucking 16 Dudley, but you've probably just ran out of it. <laughs> Um, all right. Was there a cinematic jerk off moment for you guys in this? They, not really. Like in terms of filmmaking, we kind of talked about how it's not really that type of movie. No, I mean, like, here's a good example. Uh, comparing it to In Bruges, the cinematic jerk off mo- moment w- would be the the chase at the end um, when uh. Yeah, Ray uh, Fines chases uh, Colin Farrell's character through Bruges because I like that movie just earns that moment so well. And once they finally like have yeah. that, you're just that's a sin. And I just that's what kind of disappointed me a little bit about this film was it didn't have that sort of just satisfying like build up to this right uh, moment at the end. Um. All right. What else have you guys watched this week? Jeremy's been Jeremy's been uh, putting us to shame late the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, shit. I uh, well, we Lee and I did go together to see Armageddon Time, which we'll talk about at the next podcast. Um, uh, Dinner in America, Sarah and I watched, which we almost gave up on twenty minutes in, but I'm glad I stuck stuck with it. Uh, it ended up. Yeah. It finds its groove. It's you have to get used to the sort of. It's almost like a cross between um, Napoleon Dynamite and I don't know something much more serious. Um, 
American History X. <laughs> you know, it's a, like it's a good movie that I'll just ne- I'll never watch again. And the characters kind of grow on you enough. Um, you know, I- interesting, interesting. Uh, I also watched Cha Cha Real Smooth, which Lee recommended, and I just did not particularly like it. Um, did not find it. I I did not find the character the character or the characters engaging or sympathetic or interesting. And I didn't really have any sympathy for what this guy was going through. It just seemed very foreign to me. I thought it was a really nice movie. I, I know Chapin, I, I don't even need you to break the tie because I know you'll hate it. Um, you don't like yes. nice movies. It wasn't um, a nice, I don't feel like it was a nice movie though. I, I don't know. I've, I, I didn't quite understand these people's motivations. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've, though that's three films. That's pretty good. Um, nothing, nothing new. I haven't added anything new to the okay, pod. Are, is, is this, are we just asking Jeremy these questions or? Well, I asked you, both of you guys what you've seen lately and you didn't answer. Well, I was waiting for so him to finish. On. Since He's when do we wait? Beckon waiting. Um, I haven't made any progress on the fixie stuff. Um, but I did watch half of the crown new season, so. When I was sick yesterday. And um, Avengers Endgame for like the fifth time. Oh, okay. So you're really catching up here. You're working hard. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I was passing in and out of consciousness while I was watching both of them. So. Well, sometimes I think you've passed in and out of consciousness on some of the fixie movies too, with where you place them on your lists. Whoa. That's right. That's right. I said it. Like, which ones? (laughs) I don't even have one. I just thought, like, that would be a good insult. I love that none of us have seen women talking or the Woman King. Such sexist. Well, they're not out yet. Well, Woman <laughs> King is. women talking is not out yet. Um, I watched. Did we talk about it last week? That I watched Ambulance. Yeah, we did. Yeah, talk you, about that you last talked week. about that. Yeah, Ambulance. I just want to talk about that more. <laughs> oh, Cha Cha Real Smooth sounds like the uh, what was the deaf movie called that won Best Picture? Coda. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's a nice movie no. on Apple TV. No, it's, uh, way, it's Coda, Coda's nice way better movies. than that. Non-controversial. Um, I like how Chapin got mad that I didn't ask him what he's been watching. <laughs> he didn't just half of the crown and Avengers. It is bad though when I do have time. Like part of my like reasoning on what to watch is the running time. Like I thought I was gonna oh, watch. Sure. I was gonna watch RRR because it's got a high Metascore and. Lee saw it and recommended it, but I'm just like 185 it's minutes. So or I could watch Cha Cha Real Smooth at 107 minutes. So I did not watch RRR in one sitting, certainly. Um, oh my god! Like that movie. So like, I really want you guys to watch it because there's parts of it that are fucking awesome, and then there are parts of it that are you're just like, what am I watching? But in the end, it's it's pretty darn good. So I want you guys to see it. Um, but yeah, so look, guys, we got 130 days until the fixies, so we've got plenty of time. But we've got a huge list of movies coming to theaters in the next several weeks. So uh, we plan to do Armageddon time next. Then we, I think, we've got the menu. Then we've got the Fablemans, well, and then the mixed... Fablemans. I feel like we should try to do as soon as we can. So it comes out the week uh, next Thanksgiving. week. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and even mixed in with all those, we've got movies like She Said coming out. We've got uh, Bones and All coming out. We've got, uh, what else? We've got uh, End 
December, we've got Women Talking, December 2nd. We have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix, which has a 93 Metascore coming out December 9th. After Sun, I'm not sure where that's going to be playing, but that is currently the highest uh, rated movie on Metacritic this year with a 96. Um, That comes out November 18th. So there's a lot of movies coming out. We've obviously got plenty of time before the theater, but we want to try to watch and review as many of these as possible for the podcast. Um, I think that's all I got on the categories, guys. None of these, the rest of these don't really apply. Most quotable moment. We'll come back to that when we start quoting this movie and, and see. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. Um, what was the one he's the, Dominic says what, what, when he grabs that, like that hook that, <laughs> right at the it's beginning. like what do you yeah He's what like, do you think people this, use this, this for hook probably something uh, to get some, something a hook length or whatever some, what do you think this thing is? look at this thing i found with a it's a long pole with a it's a long pole with a hook on it what do you think they use it for maybe when they have to hook something that's a pole's length away yeah yeah <laughs> uh chafing. so good and they eventually fish his body out with it oh uh, spoiler, spoiler alert spoiler alert sorry about that uh yeah Great. Well, I, I'm so Chapin. I just need to like know since you were definitely farther down on this movie than us. Like, are we gonna? Is this gonna be on your? Uh, is this a top ten movie for you? Or are you like, no, this is. I think it probably is now. Um, disappointing. But I haven't. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'd, I'd like to see it again. Um, you know, I was like, I I, I, st- I started the. I went to dinner before the movie and I was like coughing a little bit. And then I, when I left the movie, I was like, I'm definitely sick. So it was yeah. it like kind of crept up on me while I was watching this movie. So maybe I need to, to, to maybe I can have a chance to watch it again. Jeez, um, I was so out of it. The whole theater was laughing hysterically and he's just yeah. like, my theater just like, wasn't into it. <laughs> Actually, I saw black Panther and I thought it was this. So, so when I went to see Armageddon time the other day, um, I go, it were, it's I was at Salem Cinema, so it's a small theater. Um, so I just go up to like the concession stand, and they're, and they're like, do you have a ticket already? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Wakanda. And I'm just like, fuck no. <laughs> Armageddon time. <laughs> How was right. it? Well, we're going to talk about it on the podcast. All right, all right. How? <laughs> Let's just get that over right. with. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. See, we're in that weird area where, you know, we need to, you know, be kind of precious about what we see and we want to be like, is this, should I see this? Is this worth watching? Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I've been Chapin Hemingway with Lee and Jeremy. Um, yeah, I think we should, I think everybody should go check this movie out. You know, we want it to be, we want McDonough to do well and we wanted to make this kind of movie instead of the uh, three billboards kind of movie. Um, all right. Thanks so much for listening and then and, and tune in next week. What are you doing home? Brother, what are you doing home? I knocked on calm Sonny Larry, who's just sitting there. Sitting there doing what? Sitting there doing nothing. Smoking. Was he asleep? He was smoking, Siobhan. How do you smoke in your sleep, like? Have you been rowing? We haven't been rowing. I don't think we've been rowing. Have we been rowing? Why wouldn't he answer the door to me? Maybe he just doesn't like you no more.